We're glad y'all are here. Let's get started in prayer and then we'll move on. Lord, thank you so much for this day. God, I thank you um, for the opportunity we have to gather together, Lord, an opportunity to hear your word spoken, Lord, an opportunity to spend time together um, as, as your daughters. Um, I thank you for every one of my sisters that are here with us. And God, I pray that you would just be with those who aren't as well. Um, I pray that you would just work in us and through us today. God, the Holy Spirit um, is welcome here. Lord, I, I pray that you would just uh, work in our hearts. Lord, open our eyes and our ears to, to what you have for us today uh, through Jenna and Jerrica. And I just pray that you bless our time together. We ask all this in your name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to turn it over to Jenna Snyder. She's our Director of Guidance Counseling that works over in the upper school. So Jenna, take it away. Well, thank you, Heather. Oh my gosh, I think you missed your calling there. I'm rolling over here. You have a, you have a talent there you need to explore. All right, well, I'm thrilled to be here today. I always love um, opening up for Jerrica and then listening to what Jerrica has to say and as she was sending over some information, she um, talked to me about her talk, which is going to uh, mention things like being satisfied in every season and hopeful in all circumstances and really just focusing on the abundance of God. And as she sent me that, I got so excited because I can easily talk about that. And the reason I can easily talk about that um, as it relates to our parenting is because those phrases describe my dad to a T. So I thought I'd just quickly bring you a few things that might help you in your parenting that I learned from my dad. And as I sat down and reflected and just thought, you know, what was his secret in being able to be joyful in all circumstances and um, really focused in on the abundance of God? And I came to three things. So the, the first thing was that my dad taught me how to find joy in the little things and that it didn't take much to be joyful. So he was a surgeon and my dad has since passed away. He passed away about a year and a half ago, but dad was a surgeon and um, really busy. And, and we lived in Lawton, Oklahoma um, for any fellow Okies out there, but um, he had one day off and that was Wednesdays. He even worked on Sundays. He did his, his rounds at the hospital before and after church on Sundays. So Wednesday was my dad's day off and he chose to spend that day with me and my sister. Um, which I think is remarkable now, you know, working and realizing my one day off, um, boy, I have so many things to do, but dad chose to spend it with his girls and he would call that our happy day. So on our happy day, we would do things, really simple things that didn't cost any money, like um, we'd go to a grove of pecan trees and we'd take a big bag and we'd look through the fields underneath and just pick up all the pecans we could find, like they were little Easter eggs, um, searching for pecans to see how full we could fill that bag. Or, or dad might um, go get some day old bread and then drive us to a pond there where there were ducks. And we'd, we'd uh, pull that bread out. And I just remember as a little girl, those ducks just honking and I'd huddle over by my dad just giggling. And um, all that very free, very, very simple things. Uh, we, would, we would roll our jeans up and go stand in a stream and look down. And as a little girl, I'd look for rocks that I thought were really pretty. And, and my dad would pick them up for me and just look at them like they were treasures and then take them home and polish them up. And 
all those things really taught me that there's beauty just in simple things. And that's come in uh, very handy, especially lately with all our lovely uh, weather and COVID and you know all the um, stuff we've gone through. Um, it's reduced us to a simple life. And, and definitely this, this snowstorm just taught us that for sure. Um, so being able to find joy and pleasure just in the, the little things and not, not taking much to be joyful. So the question there is, you know, what, what does it take for your kids to feel joyful? Have you taught them to take joy in just the simple things? Many of us are not satisfied with the simple life. And we're finding that out as we walk through COVID and we're just, you know, uh, stuck or when we were stuck and couldn't go anywhere um, during our, our snowpocalypse. All right. Secondly, my dad taught me that I could flip anything around and find a hidden blessing in it. So I went to Baylor. My dad, in his retirement, he bought a little plane, just this little, he liked toys like that. And so he, he bought a little two-seater Cessna plane. And dad would sometimes fly from Oklahoma to Waco and pick me up for the weekend, fly me back to Oklahoma. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. Um, and one time he flew me back to Waco and we landed and we could tell upon landing that there was a little something wrong with the plane, potentially. Uh, we landed safely, but then dad, you know, went ahead and took it to the mechanic there at the Waco airport who checked it out. And sure enough, um, there were some problems with the, with the plane. So the guy there said, you know, I can fix this, but it's going to take a couple of days. And, um, we really had no choice. So, so dad, um, you know, dad agreed and all. And then we got in my car and I just remember him looking at me and a lot of dads at that point would be, you know, upset that we have disrupted his schedule completely. That's probably costly. Um, now he's, you know, there's a lot of unknown there when it would be fixed and that kind of thing. But he looked at me and he was like, isn't this such a blessing? aren't we so grateful? I get to go see your apartment and let's go to a fancy dinner. Let me take you to a fancy dinner. Won't that be fun? I just remember his whole attitude of turning what, you know, could have been a disaster into an adventure. And in doing that, my dad, those, those times that he would do that, he was training me to look for the good, to always look for the good. So that later in life, you guys, when I was faced with things, that weren't good at all. Like, you know, I know many of you know some of my story, but my, my daughter in the early 20s, um, pregnant and diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma at about 10 weeks pregnant. So that kind of thinking that he taught me showed me how to, in the midst of that, you know, um, getting that horrible diagnosis to insert a but into my sentences, like, okay, Amanda's got this horrible diagnosis, but, Aren't we glad we're here in Dallas, Texas, where there's doctors who can help her, who have you know, all the knowledge and the tools, but aren't we glad we have family on both sides who's willing to step in? Um, it, it showed up in my divorce when I was moved from my big Frisco house to a little bitty Plano house and really humble, like way even more humble than before I um, was a newlywed. So here I am in this house and and I'm thinking, okay, we're in this little house, it's an adjustment, but I realized I could plug the vacuum cleaner in one time and literally vacuum the whole house. It was a thing of beauty. And it just, it made my life so, so simple, you know, to not have so much house to worry about. So it was just that kind of thinking, uh, looking for the good 
always. And, and I'm wondering, you know, do we model the discipline of that to our kids to try to take a situation and look for the good? And I do believe it is a discipline. Lastly, um, my dad taught me that attitude is a choice. And um, when my dad got older, he really didn't leave how much, you know, he, he was, his energy was low, but um, I'd go visit him. And I remember one time I walked in and dad was out on the back porch and they didn't have a pool or anything. It was a small backyard, but he was out laying on a lounger in the sun and he was just laying with his eyes closed. And so I go out there and, and I lay on the lounger beside him and um, it was quiet for a minute. And then dad, and I'll try to do this without crying. I was so close to my dad, but dad was quiet. And then he said, you know, Jenna, if you close your eyes, it kind of feels like you're on a beach in Hawaii. And I thought, and I closed my eyes and he was right. The sun just beating down, you know, I thought I can take my mind to a beach in Hawaii right now. And, and my dad's ability to do that when he eventually, so dad had a stroke, he passed away at 90, um, but he was in a, in a nursing home and, you know, it was, it was bleak, um, not good circumstances, but that was the kind of thinking, that kind of thinking of my dad's allowed him to lay in that nursing home bed. And when he couldn't even put two words together from the stroke, y'all, he could sing and he sang hymns at the top of his lungs even in the midst of all that mess and um, impending death, really. So, um, you know, the question is when life throws you unexpected curves, uh, do your kids see you fall apart? Or do you take a deep breath and find the good? Do you show your kids that attitude is a choice? Uh, my dad, he taught me how to react how to find abundance in simple things, how to be hopeful in all circumstances. And you are teaching your kids how to react. They are watching you. They, are, they will follow your lead. They are modeling after you. So at my dad's funeral, I realized that this kind of thinking wasn't magic, but that this kind of thinking was the result of a lifelong walk with the Lord of his relationship with the Lord. My dad knew a God who causes all things to work together for good, who changes and, and makes beauty from ashes, who specializes in making beauty from ashes. We serve that same God. Uh, do we live like we believe that? And do we show that God to our kids? So those were my thoughts today as um, I just focused in on some of the notes Jerrica had given me. I uh, can't wait to hear what she has to say. I know all of you are, are with me on that. So I will now hand this over to our speaker of the hour, Jerrica Olson. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jenna. Wow. Uh, between Heather and Jenna, we could just about sign off and, and call it a day and, and take what we've already been given in humor and in wisdom from Jenna and her sweet dad and, and be blessed. And so I'm grateful to, to be here and to, uh, to be with you all. Uh, I wanna welcome, especially uh, new legacy moms or if you're a guest of a legacy mom, I know we have uh, some people watching live and others who will watch later and so, 
Um, just want to welcome everyone. And this is the Eco Mama event that typically in the past, before the world decided to do some different things, this was an in-person event, um, a luncheon at Stonebriar Country Club. And actually, we had all the best of plans to have uh, another in-person event. It would have been our first one in about a year uh, today. And it actually wasn't the pandemic that changed the plan for us. It was Snowvid. All of Heather's, Heather, you should have had some, some country club jokes about, you know, canceled plans and different things. So um, just when we think we're kind of coming up for air as it relates uh, to COVID, all of a sudden we get a snowstorm and, and Stonebriar had to cancel events for this week. And so um, I just want to commend you because it's probably safe to say that after 2020 and into 2021, we are officially pivot experts. Uh, I was at the grocery store last week and I'm just gonna go ahead and admit, I, I like grocery store clothes, like the grocery stores that have clothes that usually say something cheesy, like I'm a total sucker for those. And I was at the grocery store and I saw a sweatshirt that said sarcasm level expert. And I'm not going to tell you whether or not I bought it. Um, maybe you'll just have to see it later or not. I don't know. But um, I thought about that more. And I was thinking after 2020 and then after whatever the weather did last week, we should all get sweatshirts that say um, pivot level experts. And so uh, I just want to thank Legacy and, and Heather and everyone who worked so hard to make this event still happen to pivot well. That takes a lot of good leadership and organization and honestly, just love and care um, for us as moms, us as women. Uh, Legacy is a family that cares about families. It's not a school that just cares about our kids. It's a family and, and they care about every person in each one of the families that are at Legacy. And I know my family, we've been here, uh, this is our seventh year, and we've benefited from so many different things that the school offers, not just our boys um, at school, but also my husband and I and all the resources that they provide us to grow. And that's kind of the goal of this Eagle Mama event. Um, we have so many things that revolve around our kiddos and, and so much we wanna do for them. And that's right, that's the season that we're in, we're moms and also, um, we also need encouragement and strength. And so this event really is geared toward, um, you know, just like when you're on an airplane and they do the check-in when they walk by your seat and they say, remember, put the oxygen mask on yourself before you, you put it on your child. And so um, as leader of the Eagle Mama events, this is, this is for you, mom. And I always love what the counselors contribute. We kind of call that counselor's corner. They always give us those good parenting tips because that is something that my sons are in fifth and seventh grade. I don't, I don't bring that expertise to the table yet. The jury is still out. I'm praying hard that my boys turn out amazing. Um, but that is what this event is for, is for your encouragement and your strength through um, just community and, and connecting through um, being with other moms, even if it's virtually, and also through um, the strength and encouragement from God's word. And so um, I was thinking about, you know, this event. Um, and by the way, uh, while this was kind of a, a last minute 
pivot to make this virtual, the Lord reminded me that what feels rushed and last minute to us was actually his plan all along. And that gave me great comfort today instead of feeling like, oh, we've got to, you know, figure this out. The Lord is like, no, this is, this is exactly what it's supposed to be. And we can just rest knowing that he's with us. He planned this for us. And, and it's not up to me to bring you what you need today. I'm confident that he's going to meet you right where you're at. But um, that being said, I was thinking about, okay, how, what should this look like? And I was thinking just real honestly, it could be um, three parts. It could be one part, Heather, just making us laugh, which we all need. Um, it could be one part, um, just praying and interceding on behalf of families in our school and in our community who are dealing with um, situations that are, to say the least, difficult. Um, those situations ranging from health issues to loss to, as Heather mentioned, all of a sudden, you know, there are things happening in our homes that make them unlivable. We could spend a good part of today just praying for that. Um, we could spend another part, I thought I could just turn on worship music and we could just all cry. <laughs> we could laugh, we could, we could just pray. And then honestly, we could just all get a good cry out together and, and that would be good. But, um, you know, the Lord um, really was leading me to some, some things from the book of Ruth that I, I pray will meet us where we're at, no matter where we're at. And just remind us of the kindness of God and how it can, his kindness can truly um, kind of transform our, our reality and what we're most aware of and take situations that, that cause us to be um, discouraged and empty to uh, filled and, and hopeful. And so that's my, um, that's, that's, that's where we're headed in just a little bit whenever we, we get to Ruth. But before that, for those of you who are new, um, my name is Jerrica Olson, and my husband Eric and I have been married 15 years. Our sons Jack and Jacob are in fifth and seventh grade, and outside of, there they are right there, outside of these people and being wife and mom and holding down the fort at my home, um, some things that I do outside of that are uh, I teach a class at Dallas County Jail uh, for women. It's a faith-based class to help them overcome trauma and kind of change their decision-making. Uh, I do prison ministry events and I haven't been able to in about a year because of COVID, but um, typically um, you can find me in jail, you can find me in prison, and my boys love to tell their friends that at school. Uh, my mom's in jail today, or my mom went to prison this weekend, they, they get a big kick out of that. And so I know you're probably excited that your Eagle Mama leader spends a lot of time in, not incarcerated, just visiting the incarcerated. Um, and also I get to spend time uh, with you all quarterly. I've been involved in these events since we started coming to Legacy, been blessed by them when Angela Paxton was here and been leading them for about the past three years. And um, again, my heart, my heart for you all, my heart for this is just that you're strengthened and encouraged through community and God's word. And today, before I get into Ruth, I actually, um, I wanted to give you some study tips and tools uh, typically I get, um, there's some questions that people commonly ask me and other than my kids who ask me all the time why I'm so crazy, that's actually probably the question that I hear the most. Why are you so crazy, mom? The other question I get besides 
also uh, how'd you get into jail is how do you read the Bible? Like, what does that look like for you? And so um, today I just wanted to start off by sharing a few just practical things to help you all um, get into God's word because truthfully, that is, um, his word is life. Psalm 107 says he sends forth his word and heals them. And so his word is what we need right now. And so we have some Bible study tips and tools here. If you want to take a screenshot of it, um, you are welcome to do that. The first one, just pray and ask God to give you understanding of his word. Before you even start, before you even open the Bible, because I know even for some of you, just even opening the Bible is intimidating. Before you even start, trust me, this is a prayer that God is just waiting on you to pray so he can answer. There is no way that he is not going to answer this prayer. If you are asking him, God, I want to understand your word because I want to deepen my relationship with you. Just ask him before you even start. Give me understanding of what it is that I'm about to read. The second thing, don't be intimidated. There's a verse in John 14, 26 that says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You're not alone in this. Listen, when you, when you open the Bible, um, you have the Holy Spirit that, that God sent to help us and to remind us. What's our job in that? Our job is actually to, to read the stuff, to put the information into our hearts and minds. And then it's the Holy Spirit's job to remind us of everything that the Father has said through Jesus. And so know you're not alone and don't be intimidated. And then just start reading. And some things to keep in mind while reading, who is writing? Why are they writing? Who are they writing to? How has the writer experienced God in the past? What miracles have they witnessed and experienced? When and where was this written and what was happening? So um, some may just call this context, 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 context. This will really help you whenever you're reading some of these questions you just keep in mind. Some additional resources to help with that. If you're like, I don't know any of those answers. Well. I mean, Google works, but here's some other things that I found to be really helpful. Um, actually, we'll start with uh, that next one. Be confident and expectant. Uh, <laughs> so this is important. So you don't need Beth Moore or Priscilla Shire to interpret the scriptures for you. And I think they, don't tell them I said that, but I think that they'd be okay that I said that. Their resources are incredible and amazing and beneficial. But Bible studies shouldn't take the place of just the daily practice of reading the Bible. And God might want you to see something in his word that, that they don't see um, just because they're not you and, and they don't have your life and your experiences and your unique situation. So be confident and expectant. Bible studies are great, but um, they're only a supplement, not a substitute for you actually opening the Bible for yourself. Okay, here's some additional resources to just help you get started. Um, okay, the Children's Adventure Bible. Um, this isn't a joke. Like I, when I first started reading the Bible, especially, and even now I will go to my son's bookshelf and I will grab the Kids Adventure Bible. You would be surprised at the beginning of every chapter, the information that it gives you to kind of set you up for where you're at. In fact, the beginning of each of the chapters of the Children's Adventure Bible will answer most of the questions um, that I listed in number three, start reading. Who's writing? Why are they writing? What's going on here? What's the purpose? And don't 
don't be ashamed of that. Like I said, I go grab this all the time. And if you don't own one, if you're like, my kids are too old for that, we don't have one. It's okay. No one's going to judge you. If your husband asks you why you ordered a kid's Bible, then just say it's, you know, for your neighbor or, you know, it's, there's no shame in that game. Um, a good study Bible with footnotes is your best friend. I have an ESV uh, study Bible and I spend just as much time at the bottom of the pages as I do in the top of the pages because it just helps me to know um, where I'm at and, and what I'm reading. Uh, the message translation is really great. Amplified Bible translation for additional language and, and, and more meaning. And also um, the Blue Letter Bible app, which is free, or you can just go to the Blue Letter Bible uh, website. And if you're feeling um, really ambitious or if, if there's a word that you're reading and you've heard it before, but you actually are curious about what it means, you feel the Lord leading you to look up a word, you can go to Blue Letter Bible and that will um, help you to understand. So here's just some Bible study tips and tools. And I just encourage you in these days, especially just open your Bible and um, it, it, it truly is, it truly is life. And it, it, it's, it just helps us deepen our, our intimacy with the Lord. And that is, that's the best gift that we can give ourselves and our families right now. So those are the Bible study tips and tools. Feel free to uh, screenshot that. And actually transitioning into um, kind of the, the main content of the message in Ruth, I thought that I would just uh, kind of show you what this looks like um, to just start reading the Bible. And we're going to be in Ruth. So I'm actually going to read you the intro from the Children's Adventure Bible and just kind of show you what this can look like. So in the Children's Adventure Bible at the beginning of Ruth, here's, here's what it says. It just says, who wrote the book? The author, author is unknown. Why was this book written? Ruth shows that some people trusted in God, even in the time of the judges. What happens in this book? Ruth, a young Moabite widow, travels to Israel with her Jewish mother-in-law and marries a good man there. What do we learn about God in this book? God loves people of every nation who put their trust in him. Who are the key people in this book? The most important people in this book are Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. When did this happen? The story of Ruth took place in the days of the judges, probably around 1100 BC. Where did this happen? Ruth and Naomi lived in Bethlehem, the city where David and Jesus were later born. What are some of the stories in this book? Ruth goes with Naomi, Ruth meets Boaz, and Boaz marries Ruth. Don't you already feel like you're halfway to like a seminary degree? I don't know. It's just, it's just so helpful. And um, there's, it sets us up um, for, for what we're about to read and gives us so much more context and so much more room for the Lord to speak. So we let the Kids Adventure Bible kind of intro us to the book of Ruth. And I don't have time to read the whole book today to you, but I trust that some of you are probably familiar with the story. And the title of today's um, message is Remain while he redeems lessons from the book of Ruth, satisfied in every season, hopeful in every circumstance. And really, um, I think what the Lord was wanting to just highlight in this book and through the relationship of Ruth and Boaz is just how his kindness can um, transition us from 
just bitter and in despair and overwhelmed by loss and disappointment to, to filled with hope and satisfied. And, and we see that from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, where at the beginning, we have this woman, Naomi, who has, she's, she's fled her land, not because of COVID, but because of a famine. And she, she leaves her land to go to Moab uh, to survive, to have food. She and her husband, they have two sons and they go to Moab and her husband dies. And then her, her sons end up marrying women from Moab and they live there about 10 years. And as if things couldn't get worse for Naomi, already being in a foreign land and the loss of her husband, then she loses her two sons. So we have a woman who is completely overwhelmed by grief and disappointment and loss. And her, she, she calls herself bitter. She says, my, my name is Naomi, which means pleasant, but don't call me that anymore. You need to call me Mara, which means bitter. Her, her, her view of God is totally clouded by grief and loss and disappointment. And whenever I read that, I, I related so much after this year because sadness, loss, fear, grief, disappointment, um, some of those things have kind of clouded my vision and made it a lot harder for me to stay hopeful and to see God rightly. And so what, what I think God is, is wanting to highlight through this story is how he changed that for her. The plan that, that he had to bring her um, from empty to full and from unsatisfied to satisfied. And how did that happen? It happened through kindness. It happened through the kindness of Boaz. And then it happened through the faithfulness and the surrender of Ruth. And so I think that there are things that we can, we can learn from Ruth and things that we can be reminded of through Boaz that might um, just help us to get there, help us to get to that place where we are satisfied, where we are hopeful, where we are filled and, and not just enough to survive, but we have overflow. We have overflow for our families. We have overflow for those around us who are hurting. And, and, and in the story, um, I want you to, whenever we're talking about Ruth, I want you to kind of see yourself through her. And then whenever we're talking about Boaz, he is just kind of a prefigure of, um, he kind of exemplifies uh, characteristics of God, specifically kindness. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of point out um, kind of the progression of kindness throughout the book of Ruth, and we'll, we'll see what we can learn, and we'll talk more about each one. So the first, I'm just going to read it all, and then, and then we'll go back to each one. So we're going to look at Ruth through the lens of kindness and the progression from empty to full, hopeless to hopeful. Okay, the first thing. Ruth leaves everything to follow God. She turns from her way to God's way. Boaz welcomes Ruth, accepts her, provides for her, protects her, and comforts her. And then Ruth is filled and satisfied by the abundant resources of Boaz. She responded to his kindness and generosity with total surrender, obedience, and devotion. And Boaz, in response to Ruth's surrender and devotion, tells her he will do all she asks of him 
not to fear and to remain while he redeems, that he won't rest until she's redeemed. And then Ruth, in response to that, she remains safe and secure within the relationship established by Boaz's kindness. She trusts that he's working on her behalf and will settle the matter in her favor. And then Boaz intercedes on her behalf and redeems the right way, the only way, the way he only he is qualified for. He buys back what was lost. He restores reputations. He rebuilds the house of Elimelech and he renews hope for the future. Remain while he redeems. And does that progression sound familiar? Does that um, relationship not beautifully and perfectly illustrate how the kindness of God and our response to that kindness can change everything, even in the midst of the most heartbreaking and hopeless of circumstances? And I want to talk more about the progression of this relationship and kind of the, the actions of Ruth and the actions of Boaz as just a picture of our relationship with our kinsman redeemer, Jesus, who has everything that we need if only we find ourselves in his field, gleaning from his harvest, which is where Ruth found herself after she made the decision to journey to stay with her mother-in-law Despite the loss and disappointment, she said, no, I, I choose your God. I'm going with you. And once she gets back to Israel and Bethlehem, she's just doing what she can. She's looking for food and she finds herself in the field of a kind kinsman redeemer, Boaz. And that's the setting of this story. That's the setting of, of this relationship. So um, let's, let's talk about this relationship because for us, this is, this is our life, especially in times of stress, loss, hardship, and uncertainty. So the first thing that happens that I want to point out is Ruth leaves everything to follow the God of Israel. She turns away from the, the little G gods of Moab to go and serve uh, Naomi's God, the God of Israel, Yahweh. And the first step for her is just the willingness and determination to leave everything and make the journey to Bethlehem. She leaves her former gods, little g-gods, for the one true God. She leaves behind all other sources of security and stability to serve a God of Israel. She leaves her family, her hometown, her possessions, her safety, her comfort, her familiarity, her region. And not only did she leave the security and, and stability of her family in Moab, but she left during a time of grief, loss, stress, sadness and disappointment she had just lost her husband and her her best friend her sister-in-law Naomi had just lost his husband too so this was an incredibly sad time and the journey the journey to Bethlehem here when she made this decision to say no I'm I'm going with you Naomi I'm not going to leave you it's not like this would have been fun for her Naomi was not exactly in a great place like I said she was completely overwhelmed by grief loss and disappointment so the journey to Bethlehem meant she was about to have to walk walk 70 70 miles with her bitter mother-in-law and I'm not saying Naomi wasn't great I'm sure she would but 70 mile walk with her not ideal at the time for sure she was most assuredly depressed, negative, and, and not fun to be around. And even despite all that, Ruth turns away from the former familiarity and the security and the stability of the place that she grew up for, um, 
full surrender to the Lord. And I know for some of us, this is um, maybe where the journey with the Lord stopped. Uh, and, and this is where, you know, Ruth's sister-in-law, this is where it stopped for her. She had all the best intentions of going too, but then she saw hardship ahead and was like, actually, not for me. I'm, I'm going to go back and I'm going to stay here and I'm going to, I'm going to hope for the best as far as security and stability in a future in, in my former life. I'm, I'm out. I'm not going to make the journey. And for some of us, that's kind of our story. We, we had all the best intentions of serving and following the Lord. And then all of a sudden we kind of come to that first, that first adversity or hardship. And we're like, uh, I don't know, actually, I think I might just stay here. And we return to our former source, sources of acceptance, comfort, and self-protection. And that, and there's a difference between deciding and determining. And, and adversity and hardship kind of exposes which one we, we've set out for. Have we just kind of decided casually to serve and follow the Lord? Or have we been determined to follow him no matter what? And leaving those former sources, those those um, former things that we've relied on that we've trusted in does require determination. Like Jenna said, a lot of what we do is a discipline and is a choice. Um, also in her leaving, uh, she left without a buddy. And this, this one's hard, this one's really hard for us. And it, it's, 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 hard. it's not just hard for me in my experience, it is hard for all women to leave something behind even though nobody around us is doing that same thing or going with us. Um, and, and her sister-in-law was likely her best friend. And they had been you know, married to their husbands for the Bible tells us 10 years or so. And likely they were, they were incredibly close and Orpah turned back and Ruth does something that shows incredible courage and, and, and hope in, in the Lord. And she says, you know what? I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm, I'm still going to leave. She leaves the former in hopes of the better. And, and that's what um, full surrender to the Lord often asks of us. It asks us to be willing to do things alone, to do things without a buddy. Because you know why? It's not God being mean. It's just because everyone's in a different place. If, if he's asking me to do something that's right for me at the time, it doesn't necessarily mean that another person it's exactly right for them. If the Lord is really tugging on your heart to sign up for the Bible study or to volunteer here or to go to counseling or to um, actually pull back from some things and spend more time at home, but nobody else is doing it. You can still trust that that is God's word for you. That is his plan for you, even if you find yourself alone in doing it. Some of the greatest blessings for me in my life have been on the other side of a choice to do it, despite the fact that nobody else was doing it. And, and so I want to encourage you with that. I want to encourage you that if, if doing something alone is keeping you from setting out to fully follow God, um, it's worth it. It's worth it. Don't delay any longer. What is he calling you to do? And are you willing to do it if you're the only one? Um, so <laughs> the pandemic um, has changed a lot of things and also revealed a lot of things. So some of the things that, you know, have changed is I have a lot more gray hairs. Um, I have a, <laughs> I have a friend who joked with me that 
she rarely wears zippers. And I loved how she put that. I'm like, that is such a great way to say it. Yeah, I don't think I wear zippers very much these days either. Um, and, if, and if my boys see me put on something with a zipper, they think that I'm going somewhere really fancy. So, you know, setting the bar low is sometimes wisdom. So full permission to just set the bar low. Um, but another thing the pandemic has done is it really has revealed whether or not we've just kind of been casually deciding to visit Jesus at our convenience, or if we've truly been intentionally determining to follow him closely at all costs. So when all of a sudden um, we didn't have some of those conveniences like meeting in corporate worship or whatever, what did your faith look like after that? Um, and that's kind of one of the, I guess the good things about the pandemic is it can kind of show you where you're at. Did you make a casual decision to, to be a Christ follower? Or are you determined to leave everything behind and to serve him alone? So that's the first thing she, she left. Well, then what is Boaz's response to her when she leaves and she finds herself in, in his field? Um, he welcomes her, he accepts her, he provides for her, he protects her and he comforts her. So I don't know if anyone else is in need of God to just, for him to be with us for his presence or his acceptance of us, despite our mistakes and our circumstances and the difficult situations and the, you know, the, the bad ways that I respond and the ways that I want to cope on my own or bring, relieve some of the tension of the stress on my own. He accepts us. He provides for us and he protects us. He makes a way for us to to come to him. He moves everything out of the way. So we have direct access to him for everything that we need. And he comforts her. When this woman from Moab, this widow, this poverty and grief stricken with seemingly nothing to offer woman comes to Boaz, this wealthy landowner with seemingly unlimited resources, what does he do? Does he shame her? Does he send her away? Does he make her work extra hard to earn a provision? No, he leaves where he is and he comes to the field to be with the harvesters. I think that's the first thing is God just wants us to know, listen, you're not alone. I'm with you. And of course he sent Jesus to, to dwell among us, to be with us. And he hasn't left us as orphans. He's left his Holy Spirit to be present with us. So he just wants you to know, I am with you. I'm not this distant, mean, hard, you know, landowner that is going to treat you harshly. No, I'm going to come to you. When you leave everything to follow me and you find yourself gleaning in the field with, with the provision that I offer you, I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to accept you despite your circumstances. I'm going to see you based on your worth and not what's happening around you or how you see yourself or how you feel. I'm going to provide for you in abundance from my supply of food and water, his provision. And then he orders protection over her. He tells the other um, people in his field, listen, don't touch her. You leave her alone to glean. In fact, you drop extra for her and do not rebuke her. That's what the Lord is saying. You come and glean in my field. I'm going to make sure that you get everything that you need and more. And then he comforts her with his words and his action. He's kind to her. 
And I don't know, I, I know for me, I need just about all of this right now. And I don't know where you're at. If you're like, man, I just, I need, I need some comfort. I need, I need someone to be with me. I need to know that God sees me and that he cares. I need, I need his acceptance right now, despite the ways that I've reacted to the adversity. And if that's you, um, I, I just want to, I just want to encourage you and speak to you. So you don't carry any shame in maybe some of the, the, um, for me, just some of the, the ways that I've responded to, to adversity or to uncertainty or some of the ways that I've sought to kind of alleviate some tension apart from the Lord. Um, I uh, listened to a Christian psychologist who specializes in trauma by the name of Diane Langberg. And she said something that I'll never forget. And I keep, I keep hearing it as if it's coming from the Lord during this time. And she said, don't punish people for surviving the impossible. And I think that that's what God is telling us today. Listen, I know it's been a hard year. I know you've been facing things that you didn't feel prepared for. And if you look back, you would maybe do it differently, but it's okay. I'm not interested in punish you for surviving the impossible. I just want to help you. I just want to be with you. I just want to show you a better way. And so that's, that's the, that's what we have here exemplified um, through, through Boaz. And it's such a beautiful picture of how God welcomes us despite what we're going through. And then um, Ruth is filled and satisfied by the abundant resources of Boaz. She responds to his kindness and generosity with total surrender, obedience, and devotion. So Boaz shows her this unexpected kindness and all of a sudden, she has everything that she needs. She's filled. She's satisfied. She's got food. She's got water, water that she didn't have to go and work for. He says, listen, you can have all you want and you can have all of the, all the provision that you can, you can gather. And Ruth 2.14 says she was satisfied and she had some left over. So Ruth provides for Naomi out of the overflow given to her by the kinsman redeemer. When Jesus fills us, others benefit. And I can't think of a more important time than right now to have overflow. And I've been hearing stories um, through the legacy family of overflow. People who are lifting up others who have been devastated by the effects of COVID, who've suffered unimaginable loss, who are facing uncertainty um, with health, with finances, with um, difficult situations. I, I've heard stories of overflow benefiting people through prayer, through meals, through words of encouragement, help with carpool or childcare. And now Legacy Cares um, for the most recent storm that brought heartbreaking scenarios to many families in our, in our school and in our area. Listen, some seasons we're the ones with overflow and other seasons we're the beneficiary of overflow in someone else, which is why, which is why it's so important for us to, to stay in the right field, to glean in the field of our, of our kinsman redeemer. And Ruth 2.18 and 19 um, tells us that Naomi, her mother-in-law, who again was very bitter and very um, overwhelmed by disappointment and grief. She sees how much Ruth gleaned and also what Ruth had left over after being satisfied. And she said, and this was, this was uh, kind of an alternate title for today. Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Whose field were you in? 
So she comes back with this overflow and Naomi says, where have you been? Who have you been with? Where did you get this? Whose field are you in? When Jesus satisfies and fills us with good things, it sets, it sets us apart as favored and others want to know the source of that favor. So does the fruit of your life lead people to want what you've got? Can others recognize the kindness of God in your life? Where do you gather all that peace, that joy, that acceptance, that kindness, that belonging and fulfillment? And when we're in the right field, people will ask us where they too can find that satisfaction and that hope. Um, another thing that she did is uh, Boaz told her, hey, stay in my field and stay close to the other harvesters in my field. And, and so she did that. She stayed there. She didn't go to another field. I read in a commentary that this would have been um, a big ask for uh, someone that was very poor at the time. They would typically glean in many fields because there wasn't a guarantee that in one field there'd be enough supply for them to survive. So when he's asking her, just stay in this field, that required a lot of trust on her part that if she stayed there, that she would have everything that she needed. And then he also said something that I think is really interesting and key for us too. He said, stay close to the other women in my field. Don't isolate yourself. Don't go off in another field with other people um, looking for satisfaction and fulfillment in the wrong place. Who are you associated with? Who are you closest to? What type of harvest are your best friends reaping? What are they sowing into? Who do you admire? Who do you want to be like? Who do you spend time with? What are your conversations like? Are they mostly about other people or about what God is doing in you? Do they tend to revolve around gossip and worst case scenarios or are they life-giving and filled with hope? Listen, fear is contagious, but so is joy. Choose which one you'll spread. Keep close to other people who are also receiving the kindness and blessings of God, people who also have fully surrendered themselves to glean in the field of our kinsman redeemer. So how does Boaz um, respond now in response to Ruth's surrender and devotion? He says, I'm going to do all that you ask. Don't fear. Remain while I redeem. I'm not going to rest until you're redeemed. Because a lot had been lost because of the, um, the famine and the loss of life. They were left with nothing. Their security and stability, they had no source for security and stability any, anymore. And so this would have been, again, a very difficult ask. Remain while I redeem. I won't rest until you're redeemed. And I think that's what the Lord is speaking to us today. He's saying, don't fear. Just stay there. I'm redeeming, I'm working. And, and Boaz is so moved by Ruth's fidelity and her trust that he's willing to use his status and resources to care for her. And God wants us to know that he's working even in the most complicated, most desperate of situations. And he wants us to trust him. He wants us to rest. Even in the midst of fear and uncertainty, he will take care of us. And grief and loss is never the end of the story when God is the author you will survive the loss and the heartbreak. He is working. So Ruth remains safe and secure within the relationship established by Boaz's kindness. 
She trusts that he is working on her behalf and that he will settle the matter in her favor. She doesn't try to control or manipulate or speed up the outcome of her redemption. She doesn't insist to be involved in you know, the court hearing or the conversations that were going on. She trusts him and so she remains. She simply does the last thing Boaz told her to do, nothing more and nothing less. And she remained and waited on the kinsman redeemer to bring redemption that only he could bring. Obedience can be simple, but not always easy. And I think that's the case for most of us during this time. What God has asked us to do is simple, but not easy because of all the fear and the distraction and the noise. So how are you doing in remaining? Are you at peace or are you frantic and frazzled? Um, it's his kindness that proves him trustworthy so we can rest in his faithfulness. And so then the last thing that I wanted to, to bring up in this progression of kindness that gives um, both of these women uh, hope in every circumstances and satisfaction every season. Boaz intercedes now on behalf of Ruth. He redeems the right way, the way only he is qualified for. He buys back what was lost due to famine. He restores reputations and he rebuilds the house of the family of Naomi and Elimelech. He renews hope for the future. And this did take some time to play out. But kindness brought about an exceedingly abundantly more outcome. And Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, does the redeeming. We do the remaining. What's God's part? To redeem. What's our part? To rest and remain and stay in that right field. Listen, Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding on our behalf. He's redeeming hopeless situations. This is what he does. He's restoring reputations. He's renewing hope. He's rebuilding families. This is our kinsman redeemer. We remain and he redeems. He's redeemed us through his blood, but he also continues to redeem and intercede in the throne room of God for us on our behalf. This is what's happening right now. And only he is qualified and capable of that job. We aren't. So I just, I feel really burdened that, that we let God be God and we simply respond with total surrender, trusting that our kinsman redeemer is above all kind. And it's his kindness that truly transforms us and, and changes what we're most aware of from hopelessness to filled with hope, from empty to satisfied. Just do the next thing that you can do. Go and gather, go and glean, which is why I felt like I should give you the tools today to just open the Bible for yourself, to be able to know where to gather the provision and get all you need. And I just want to end um, by praying a simple prayer over us um, because the, really the story of God is moved forward by the kindness of God to humankind. And so how is this story moving forward in you? in your family line? What has the kindness of God meant to you this year? Are you in need of his presence, his acceptance, his provision, his protection, his comfort? He's inviting you into his field of abundance. So here's the prayer. And then I'm gonna turn it over to Heather. May we leave everything to follow God. May God welcome us with open arms and abundant provision. May we be filled to overflowing to the benefit of others. May God redeem all that disappointment has stolen. May we remain as God redeems.
Thank you, Jesus, our valiant kinsman redeemer for renewing our hope, bringing new life, and always interceding for us. Erica, thank you so much, my friend. So such good words, such a great reminder. Um, and Ruth is just a fascinating study in and of itself with the Kinsman Redeemer. Um, so thank you. I, I appreciate uh, both your words, Jenna, for your um, great reminders as well. Um, so guys, we've got a, a few announcements that we're going to go through and make, and then I'll close us out in, in one final prayer. Um, so since most of us are planning on being in person and seeing people and, and getting dressed and putting on makeup, um, we have rescheduled that to another opportunity to do that in um, April. And so we'll be at the, Lord willing, we'll be at the country club again. Uh, we'll have lunch there. We'll have Jerick with us and then a special guest, Cynthia Yanop. So we're super excited to, to have her in April. So y'all go ahead and mark that on your calendars now. Get registered for that and sign up. So we'd love to see you there. Invite a friend too. Next, we have um, Legacy LCA Cares. Uh, if y'all haven't seen um, or heard about that, if you have not gotten these notifications, um, Jerrica alluded to it earlier too. We have so many families that have been impacted. And guys, if you're like me, um, we don't ask for help well. Uh, we love giving help. Um, and we've got lots of people actually who have signed up who are eager to help and, and pass on that blessing. Um, this is an opportunity to ask for help, it's okay. Um, there's, there's great opportunities set up for the business directory, um, meal care and packages, even in, even offering up their homes. Uh, there's people who are out there who already signed up, who are eager to, to pass on what God has blessed them with. Uh, so I'd encourage y'all to take advantage of that. Um, there is a, that, a, that website takes you to a Google page where you can sign up and let us know the things that you need. It is okay to ask for help. Please do that. Let us love on you. Um, we are all walking through this together, so we don't want you walking through it alone. Um, and then next we have, uh, the spirit shop, um, some super cute sweatshirts and t-shirts. Uh, if you haven't gotten yours yet, uh, please do. And I'm loving the color of that, the t-shirt. And if you have adorable little girl, y'all can be Twinkies, um, and have the, the matching tees. So we've got those in all sizes and the, the little kids sizes as well. So get on there. There's a few other um, pre-order uh, options that you can do today, but for Eagle Mama, they, we've made this specifically for us. Um, so whether you attend the luncheons or not, tell your friends about this. It's a super cute shirt, just as we're all Eagle Mamas. We're all here at LCA. We're all moms. Um, so a super cute shirt uh, that you can get. Then next, um, some save the date things coming up, some exciting things coming up. Our Bible study, our women's Bible study starts tomorrow, a great Priscilla Shire study uh, through Elijah. Um, be watching for the whole month of March. We're going to have, um, we're calling it Love Does Month of Service. Um, so we're partnering with Grace Bridge and through their ministry, y'all, we're going to have several opportunities for, for you and your family, uh, as well as our kids to do some hands-on things to show uh, Christ's love, um, using Grace, Grace Bridge's uh, resources they already have set up. So we'll, uh, be, be watching for that. Um, also our prayer walk, uh, uh, Wednesday, March the 17th. We'd love to see you there uh, walking around our school and just claiming God's protection, um, his sovereignty over our school, our kids, the campus, the staff. Um, laps of love coming up. So that'll kind of be toward the end. Of, of March, kind of summing up the, the whole Love Does Month. 
And then um, at the end of March too, we're going to have our pep talk and, and PTF restaurant night. So even though we're zooming that in, y'all go pick up food and support our school. Uh, that money goes straight back to, to resources that we spend directly on our teachers. So I encourage y'all to do that. All right. Is there anything else? Hey, you can follow us. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, there's always opportunities. There's no reason you should not know what's going on. We have lots of opportunities to get involved, lots of opportunities to see uh, what's happening at our school and stay updated with that as well. So y'all jump on and follow us. And lastly, um, guys, if there's anything y'all need, uh, feel free to email us at the PTF at legacy.com. Um, any prayer requests that you have, ways that we can lift y'all up, that's confidential. It stays among a, a small group of people unless you let us know otherwise. Um, we can be lifting you and your needs up in prayer. Um, and then follow us on the website. Um, there's lots of good information there, uh, but, but we're here for y'all. So uh, let's, let's wrap it up in prayer. I think that's it, right, Shannon? Um, so let's close in prayer and uh, ladies, y'all can be dismissed. So Lord, thank you so much for a sweet time of fellowship. God, I thank you for the words um, that you've spoken through both Jenna and Jericho. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to come together. Lord, so many things that we take for granted. Um, I thank you for those sweet, simple reminders through this past week, God, that um, with, with all the chaos that, that surrounds us, God, that we can just remain in you and be still in you um, and know that you will, will take us forward, God, as we, as we lean in onto you. Um, we thank you for the time we've had together, and I pray that you would be with us as we go about our days today. We ask all this in your name. Amen. All right, friends. Thanks for coming. Y'all have a great day. We'll see y'all next time.